guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection episode 144 welcome thank you so much to anyone who's reached out this week it's been lovely to get feedback about the podcast i was chatting about feedback and you know we often say you know in the kind of well-being space about how important it is to not get too attached to feedback because negative feedback or positive feedback is all through someone's perspective and we all have our own lens and the key is that we're kind to ourselves and we practice loads of self-compassion but at the same time it is really really lovely to hear that people are tuning in and getting something from this and that means so much to me so I I love hearing from you guys um, so thank you for that if you've reached out and if you've not reached out but you listen here and you get something from it that makes me so freaking happy and I'm just sending you so much love um, it's been a busy week here it's funny you know now that everything's opening back up um, you know being in front of more live audiences rather than online is oh, it's just so amazing um but also just getting into that groove again where you're kind of looking at people right in the eye and you feel the energy in the room and I was saying on stories it was so nice that a drama teacher had had commented so I got to speak to a lot of people that I was speaking to one of the events this week and a drama teacher had said she thought I was an amazing performer and it sort of took me back um, because part of the talk I was speaking about how I was such a shy and anxious child and it wasn't until I found performing that and I'll never forget that first moment you know reading a script in primary school and acting and thinking oh this is this is for me this is where I get completely in that mojo and I can immerse myself and it was so lovely to get that feedback from an actual drama teacher I was like I love drama um and it was just yeah it meant so much to me so my encouragement for you guys this week is to give feedback to people to tell them they're awesome to um build people up not forget because we never know what's going on in someone's head so we want to spread all that love spread it thick um and christmas is all about love right and that's what it's all about at the end of the day and we just need to remind ourselves of that so be kind to yourself and accept the compliments although what's most important is that you're kind to yourself I still think it's nice to to listen to what others are saying and to feed off that. So on that note, I'm about to compliment someone. My guest this week, the lovely Zach. Um, Zach is from Wellbeing in Your Office. I'll put all the links in um, the show notes. Um, But Zach is a qualified mindfulness meditation teacher. Um, which you guys know I am all about trying to be present in this crazy world. He is also amazing at Aikido. Um, I hadn't heard too much about Aikido actually, so it was really interesting to hear about that. So he has been practicing it for over 35 years and he's actually travelled out to the headquarters in Tokyo, Japan several times. Um, he is so passionate about that and it really comes in um, about how it's so good for training the mind and body 
Um, you hear a lot about that in kind of martial arts and the principles. It's not just about the physical, it's very much about the mental and spiritual too. So it's really interesting. So Zach's worked in corporate companies all of his working life. Um, he talks about anxiety and his battles he's had there. And he's now doing amazing work with this company that he's founded, co-founded, Wellbeing in Your Office, to really help people um, get out of their head and into that mojo, in that sweet spot where we're present. Um, And I really, really love his passion and I love the way he talks through this. And I love, 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 love the way he sets alarms to have time to be mindful. I was like, yes, yes, this is music to my ears. Um, so I'll put some more about Zach in the show notes that you can read over but just jump in and feel lighter guys it's so lovely to have you here and just a reminder my intention is that something we say sticks with you and you can take it into your week or your day and just be kind to yourself and take the time you need all my love to you let's get the legend that is Zach on Zach, welcome to Time for a Mojo Injection. It's really lovely to meet you through our mutual friend, Natalie. Shout out, Natalie. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Thanks very much. Lovely to be here. Well, it's really nice to chat. And as I've said in the introduction, you've led a really interesting life. So I'm looking forward to chatting more about that and maybe talking about some stuff like connection, um, anxiety, <laughs> something we all experience harmony, centering, all these kind of key themes that I know that you'll be be the right guy to speak to and, and bring some more sure. If we could just start with talking a little bit about your life and how you got into the work that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my, my passion for holistic arts, let's call them, stems back to when I was about 13. So I I suffered with anxiety since about the age of 10 and had a series of panic attacks throughout my my schooling. Um, my mental health was pretty pretty up and down. And I discovered Aikido, which is a Japanese martial art. Um, it's non-competitive, um, so we don't go around beating people up in a ring. Um, and it's essentially an embodiment of mindfulness, which I kind of discovered in the last few years after studying mindfulness, realizing that I've been studying mindfulness for ages. This, this is all Aikido stuff, yeah. um, so, which was great. And, and it helped me so much. And when the, in the periods that I wasn't practicing Aikido, when I went to university and uh, have, you know, when habits change sometimes, or our circumstances change, our habits can break, even the ones that are really strong. And that's what happened at uni. So my mental health took a massive nosedive at uni and I had to leave early um, and recover and was put on Prozac and, and various other antidepressants to try and come out of that hole. Um, and getting back into Aikido um, helped me get out of that hole really and helped me to recover. Um, and then I, throughout my career, which was in hospitality, then in sales, I um, burnt out a couple of times. Uh, again, those periods of not practicing Aikido, which was my kind of anchoring, my balancing. And then um, nine years ago, I met my partner who, Gosha, she's a yoga teacher. And when you date a yoga teacher, you've kind of got to do yoga, kind of goes <laughs> with the territory. So um, 
and that was great because yoga was and still is really is more accessible than Aikido. Um, Aikido clubs are few and far between and they're not regular and we we were living in London at that point so we could we could easily find a yoga studio to get to every night. So I was practicing yoga and then I got into mindfulness um, and started meditating um, and Gosha about four or five years ago set up a business called yoga in your office uh, it was doing good check clients in London and we moved up to Birmingham uh, when I got a new job and I got made redundant from that job uh, last in the beginning of 2020 just be before the pandemic and we sat down and thought what can we do that we're passionate about what's what are our passions is what is kind of the question we asked and we realized that our whole passion throughout our lives because Gosha suffers with anxiety as well was basically helping people with anxiety through yoga through mindfulness and through Aikido mm -hmm. so we realized that, that there was an opportunity here to set up a business but also a bigger opportunity to actually help people in the workplace because we knew we weren't the only ones suffering with anxiety you know, when you when you start talking about it, everybody starts talking about it and opening up, don't they? You know, it's just amazing how many people there are. So we decided to set up a business called Wellbeing in Your Office, which kind of does what it says on the tin. And we got in touch with loads of specialists who specialize in nutrition, specialize in um, sleep, specialize in financial well-being. And we set the business up last year and kind of um, launched in June 2020. And we've been sort of getting clients come in um, using our services and, and, and getting a lot from them. But it, we kind of realized that we, we need to help some individuals as well, because if, if, for example, a business has a 60 minute introduction to mindfulness, that might be the only thing they put on. Mm -hmm. And we were noticing that individuals were saying, hey, how can I access a bit more of this? You know, we really, I really like what you're saying. I really like what you're talking about. So we decided to um, develop well-being in your home as a separate brand. Which has online yoga classes, online mindfulness classes, and we also run our eight-week mindfulness course, which is which is one that you've done that you told me about. Um, not the one with us, but it's it's the same format, you know, the eight-week course. So that's kind of the journey, really. That's how we kind of got to doing what we do now, um, and here we are trying to make a living from it and help people at the same time. Yeah, what an amazing, and I think when you've been there and you've really struggled with your mental health, you know, everyone I speak to in the kind of wellness industry has a story to tell, right? And that's your kind of incentive. And then, you know, there's so many cases we don't know about of people like really struggling with these anxious thoughts, or these fearful thoughts. But when life's so busy and you're on that train, it can be really hard to kind of take the time to connect in with the mind body and have self-awareness as well you know i hear a lot and i get feedback from companies i speak in and they'll be saying oh it's all very well they've got a wellness speaker or you're doing something like that to tick the box but you don't you know you hear things of what goes on behind the scenes in companies and it's like encouraged i heard something the other week someone was encouraged to you know they were having a competition who could work the longest hours and you know these projects that are on and and all the signs of, as you say, burnout. And for me, going through a, a sort of form of burnout myself, it was interesting because it was like I went high because I was overstimulated, right? It was so much going on, not just in my 
work, but in my spiritual health. And if, you know, my mind was like, boom, 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 boom. there's so, so, so much going on. And it was just, you know, crash. So you can go up or you can go down. A lot of people don't realize that. But mm, it's an interesting point. And since going through it, you know, I speak to people and they're like, they've got symptoms of mania or hypomania. People are just boo, 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 boo. And they're burning out in, you know, and it's manifesting in different ways. We all have this body and this mind that we need to kind of protect, right? And it's it can be really hard. So just giving people tools is such a, an important thing to do. So well done, firstly, on all the great stuff you're doing. Thank you. And do you, th do you find one, because we're all so different, is there one that you find more effective or how do you get grounded? What's, what works for you? Um, I think it often depends actually, but it's, it's, a, it's a combination of movement, either Aikido or yoga and meditation. Um, I think yoga is often the forgotten partner of mindfulness but it's very much part of it. You know, it's really important because we really should be existing in our bodies and we end up existing in our heads too much. And we, we overthink, we over criticize, we over judge. Um, so yoga is, is a fabulous um, routine because it's very hard to concentrate on something else while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and when you do learn a sequence, for example, so in yoga, often the sequences, you probably know, you can learn the sequence and you can do it almost on automatic pilot. And there can become a slight issue where your mind will wonder. But that's okay, because just like meditation, we notice where it's gone and we, we lead it back to the sequence. But yeah, I think yoga and meditation are the key aspects to, to really help, just so we can understand the body better. You know, I talk about this a lot in, in the mindfulness because, I think people forget about that our emotional uh, sense is all in the body. When, when you feel afraid, you feel it in your body. When you feel upset, you may feel it in your guts. When you feel angry, you may feel it in your chest. When you're hungry, we feel it, don't we? We need the toilet. And those are kind of the two primary ones that we, we really notice. We feel, we, we sense we're hungry. But actually, the more we get into our body, the more we notice about how we are. And perhaps what we need and that we sense that actually um, a, a great example is 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 actually being hungry is how many times have we sat down and worked or done zoom meetings and then got tetchy or irritated I'm, I'm a classic for this I get hangry you know that kind of when you're hungry you, I get I get really irritated and then it's like oh, I'm hungry and and the thoughts that can manifest from just being hungry and not realizing it can be one of i need to change my life this is a disaster mm -hmm. and we start to really over amplify what's going on and a couple of sandwiches later oh i think it's all right with the world i'm, I'm back in peace again mm -hmm. so it's amazing how we can lose touch with the simple sensations of the body and then we try and find meaning in them by try overthinking rather mm -hmm. than pausing checking in what's going on here i'm feeling this sensation Oh, I'm hungry. Let's go and eat, rather than this kind of critical thinking and meaning that we often do, and add layers upon layers of stress that we don't even need. Sorry, that's my alarm for my meditation. So that's another thing I do. I set I alarms for meditation. Set alarms. That is amazing. I love that. Yeah. 
yeah it, it just reminds me because i you know having practiced mindfulness it doesn't really as you know it, it doesn't cure you of your habits perhaps of your your propensity to be too busy or work solidly on something and not have a break it mm. just helps you become aware of who you are and what you do so i kind of try to help myself with three alarms during the day to do a three minute meditation um and it just gets me to pause check in and then reset a bit that's amazing that was a very long answer that was a very long answer to a, to a question wasn't it no but I, I think that's such a great point and i love the way you put that about something like being hangry and i, I see it on my daughter she'll have like if she's really hangry you know she'll be like have a flip out as you say about something and i'm like she's overreacting because in her head she's you know that's what the mind does when your body needs something and you're not listening to it right we can start to go down that spiral and it's not just perhaps hunger it could be as you say just not or working too much or not taking a break because there's so much to do and perhaps you're given this project and you're like i don't have time i remember you know perhaps if you're a bit of a perfectionist or you've got goals and you're getting really excited and i remember having book deadlines and thinking working through holidays and and working and being like oh, i quite need to go to the loo i need a pee but i'll just wait another 10 minutes do you know what i mean and i'm like that's terrifying you know so feeling your way through life through the body and and knowing perhaps you know how do you tune into your gut feeling and your intuition then well it's it's i think that comes through constant practice of of of, of meditation and practice being present because then when we're present for right now we can sense our intuition and it's it's an interesting one intuition because practicing mindfulness we learn to notice thoughts and let them go and let them pass or maybe we need to work with them depending on what the thought is it might be very powerful but normally we're kind of noticing they're there letting them go coming back to what we're doing so intuition is an interesting one because intu it, it then begs the question so what's intuition what's the difference between intuition and thought Mm -hmm. and for me intuition is basically a visceral understanding of something that's going on where you don't just notice it in your head or a thought there is a bodily sensation with that it's coming from the body telling you something that real gut instinct of something's wrong here normally we get it when something's wrong or something's not right or as a person we think it's a bit odd you know we notice it with people a lot don't we that kind of intuitive understanding about something's going on i can't put my finger on it but i know there's something wrong and i think that just by saying that expression that we often use i can't put my finger on it but i know there's something wrong means it's from the body because i don't know what's wrong i sense something's wrong but i don't have any thoughts behind this and that's the difference i think between intuition and then just thoughts that are making meaning from sensation where our mind is throwing ideas for us to try and understand what's going on so there's a subtle difference between intuition i think and just thoughts but cultivation is is through meditation i believe is, is that's how i've come to become more intuitive i believe yeah because if you're not taking that time you know, and it's little things I've noticed, like if I'm having that time to get still and, you know, be present and practice all the good stuff, then I feel like sometimes, you know, I'll be picking up on stuff. I'll, I'll find things easier or I'll be, you know, it's just this, this kind of knowing, as you say, right? Mm. 
It is, and it's true, isn't it? It's, it's, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there that things are easier. And sometimes that feels strange, doesn't it? Because we always think, well, we need to work hard, which means it should be hard. We sh it should be tough. It should be difficult. But actually, no, when it, when it gets to being difficult, especially if you're writing or you're meeting people, then if it's becoming difficult, you, you probably just need a break. You know, you need to have a pause, have a check-in. I do a lot of work with lawyers. Um, and there's a, there's a global lawyer firm I was doing a talk with. And we were talking about how, you have a morning, for example, and you've sent emails, and this happens a lot with juniors, more so than senior partners, for example. They send emails, they do work, they have Zoom meetings, and everything you do has a consequence. Mm -hmm. So if a junior sends an email, the consequences in their mind are what they're trying to, trying to foresee, or maybe what's happening is, did I, did I just spell check that properly? Is it, have I said the right thing? Did I miss anything? What, what's going to happen if I got that wrong? Am I going to lose my job because of that? You know, and then you get a senior partner who's probably have similar ones, but probably because of their experience, they're a little bit more confident. They don't have that playing in the background. So every single email, every single meeting has a consequence that if we're doing back to back, we haven't checked in and walked our minds through that. It's accumulating. Mm -hmm. That worry is accumulating until we either become really tired at say three or four o'clock. We get a headache start to feel ratty we're just a bit we're just a bit annoyed but actually if we were to check in two or three times a day and just go okay yes yeah, send that email well no i should be okay i checked it it's fine walk through the worries and concerns that we've got back them back let some of them go if you think they're nonsense consider some if they're not but actually we, we're walking ourselves through it and then we reset bang and then we carry on and that way we can pace ourselves especially when you get lawyers and some of these guys that walk work ridiculous hours that i can't change i can't walk into these firms and say oh you're just going to work eight hours a day never going to happen yeah. so at least help them pace themselves so they can um, survive those in a better mental health state rather than plowing through um and it seems it seems to resonate with these guys it's like yeah actually yeah it's like being in a gym i say you can't just do 1500 reps of dumbbells you'd have to have a break so brain needs a break you need to process so yeah time to process and do you so with these alarms you set do you find doing them indoors is enough or do you have periods in the day where you need to connect with nature yeah very much i, th I like to go for a mindful walk at least um once or twice a day mm -hmm. uh, and and really I, I used to walk um, and, and walk my daughter around uh, and think, oh, I've got a great time to think about business strategy. Yeah, just walking my daughter in a pram. And I, I remember this coming home, feeling a little bit irritated, mm -hmm. just feeling a bit irritated, not feeling very good from a walk. I'm thinking, what is this walking malarkey about? I'm not really enjoying it. And then I realized, like, I'm not in the walk. I'm in work in the walk. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, right, come on, Zach, you know what to do. So now I, 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 I go through all my senses. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? What do I taste even? What do I feel on my body? Over a period of about 10 minutes. And then I just focus in on my breath. And then suddenly I'm in the walk. So when I did this for the first time and then I came back to work, I was refreshed and focused into work and just could go right. And I felt excited and motivated and in a much better place mentally than I was when I'd been over using my mind whilst outside because mm -hmm. your brain's taking in all this stimuli 
and then you're getting to think about work so it's got so much to do rather than just be in this thing it's doing so yeah i think it's a key one get out in nature and be there you know yeah i like that so using the senses and you talk about that with anxiety right so if you're going to have a, a an attack you feel your breathing and stuff it's like look for what is it there's a five things like one thing you can smell two things you can touch or you know that that kind of yeah. thing it's the same sort of thing isn't it so it's it, it's tuning into that like i i've been really trying to be mindful when i go on those walks oh in fairness this morning i did uh, practice a bit of a speaking gig I've got in a couple of days when I was out so I'm in this lovely nature walk and I am a bit like so I'll say this and I'll say that but actually there's been a couple of walks this week where you know I've noticed that this gorgeous tree the leaves have fallen off so like two weeks ago beautiful big tree full of orange leaves and now they've all gone and just taking time to notice the changes right mm. and and then it kind of reminds you that things change all the time and they move and it's almost like finding acceptance with with life too and, and noticing these things like letting nature lead the way and teach us these lessons that's right and it's great because you 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 can recall that that moment mm. that moment's there you can you can recall it how often do we go on walks or do anything and, and we can't recollect them I often ask people, tell me about the shower that you had yesterday. Mm -hmm. what do you mean? Well, I got in the shower, I, I, I washed. Yeah, 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 that's what you did. But tell me about the one you had yesterday. Mm -hmm. What was significant about the shower that you had yesterday? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can we make your shower significant? Mm -hmm. can, you, can you smell the soap you, you, you use and identify what citrus fruits are in it, maybe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to do that? because it's helping you become present and remember it because you'll remember that shower if you bring attention to it mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily to love your shower or to be drastically interested in, in the ingredients in your shampoo bottle <laughs> it's just to, to practice being there because you do it on autopilot because we do it every single day pretty much so what can we do to bring presence is then is is well what we can do is to saturate our conscious awareness by using our senses mm -hmm. and that way we're distracting ourselves from our mind wondering mm -hmm. by getting our minds to go okay you want me to focus on the smell the texture the feeling on the body the taste that you've got in your mouth what can you see and then suddenly the mind's busy doing stuff that's now so it doesn't have much time to then wander away thinking about your to-do list or mm -hmm. something else that you've got to do with the kids because you're in your shower so if we can do that more often and practice doing it actively being mindful suddenly because we're humans and we we whatever we practice consistently we get good at even if it's detrimental to us but in this case it, it's it's beneficial we suddenly find ourselves being present in moments where we go oh i feel really here mm -hmm. oh, I feel, oh great i'm with the kids or i'm just going for a walk and everything's i'm here i'm still and just being fully centered and present. So it does work. It's just, we have to actively practice doing it. And so it's, it's almost, I call it contrived mindfulness because we have to kind of create, we have to contrive the situation. 
and then eventually that practice pays off where we can just find ourselves being mindful actually in the moment and it's hard you know i think as i was saying earlier about that holiday when I had the book deadline you know perhaps someone's listening and they get deadlines a lot or the projects that they really care about and they're passionate and they love their work or whatever but you could you know i think of say somewhere like the maldives right and it's the most stunning beach and there could be two people on it and one is totally present and they're looking at the sun or they're focused on the feel of the water on their skin and then the other person's checking work emails or scrolling through social media or thinking about you know they're not there they're not really there and it's like for for busy people what do you say to you know people like you know the, the lawyers you work with and stuff about trying to get this get this in like i like what you're saying about the shower people that are tempted to work on holidays and stuff what would be your advice well um it's it's a it's first of all it's about understanding the impact of what you're doing so if you are that person scrolling through social media on the beach when there's a beautiful sunset and or you're going through your emails or, or i had a client yesterday who would tell me he was watching the f1 and doing some work emails mm -hmm. it's like oh that 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 sense of needing to be productive is so seductive isn't it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah this is the problem i feel i need to be productive because you get a thrill out of it mm -hmm. but you have to kind of be aware that you do get a thrill out of it mm -hmm. and let that go try and let that go you can't always have pleasure even though you're getting some pleasure because in the end that will become a detriment to you so it, a, a weird tangent on your question jojo in aikido when we practice a technique um we go through what you could say was the beginning and then the exciting bit which is all the body movement and the throw and then there's the less exciting bit which is the pin where you kneel down you pin the person you move their arm into a position and they submit and tap and then it's over and often you'll see people train and they won't bother with the pin it's the boring bit they want to jump up and do the exciting bit again but when i teach and this is how the japanese teaches the end is really important to do because it's the it's the discipline of not getting attached to the exciting bit it's the discipline to say hey this is not so exciting but it needs to be done because i need to be focused on the ability of doing something that's less exciting because that's how life is isn't it, it goes through ups and downs and exciting and non-exciting if we get too attached to excitement then that's a problem in itself we get too attached to happiness it's a problem in itself so it's it's knowing then by learning that we practice some of the things that are less exciting as a discipline and therefore we can be with them we can sit comfortably and be okay with them there's a bit of a tangent to kind of explain but um going back to the kind of the original question really it's it's I, I suggest to people social media get rid of your notifications off your phone we all use social media. I use social media. We use it for work and, and especially with the work we do, we kind of have to use more of it than I've probably done before. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't have any notifications on my phone go off. The only one you heard before was my alarm telling me to meditate. So mm -hmm. that's a good use of, of, of an iPhone or a, or a smartphone. But um, so that's the first thing. 
and, and I think that helps people become present because the continual notification factor is a huge problem for distraction. We become there was a bit of research done in the states, and they took a classroom full of students, they split them in half, and they said to the one half, well, we said to both halves, "You're going to do this test. You're all going to do the same test." And they split them in half, and the one half of students had their phones off in their bag under the desk and the other half had their phones off in their bag but their bag was put in another room mm -hmm. and there was a marked difference in the um, performance of the individuals where their bag and phone had been taken out of the room mm -hmm. suggesting that even when our phones are off we're distracted mm -hmm. So physically, so I'm not suggesting that we can take phones out of our space, but that shows the power of what phones do. So by simply removing the notifications is, is, is a great way to practice not being attached to your phone. And then that helps multiple other things then. I like that. I, I, and perhaps as well, thinking about habits where, you know, the times you would be on your phone, like sometimes at night, if I get a bit quiet time, I'm like, oh, I'll look on the phone. But what I've been doing lately is just reading a bit more and really enjoying the book. But as you see being there, so putting like a lovely scented candle on and, and smelling the candle. And I've got one on now, actually. You see it. I always oh, nice. love candle when I do a podcast, uh, if I have time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, putting a scented candle on and sitting with the book. And I, I don't like to read on the on the screen i've never been one for the kindle but i like to hold the pages and the paper and and sit and, and be there with the book and and then if there's someone really good that comes up you know doesn't necessarily have to be a non-fiction it could be one and and that it said something in a story and i'm like that's great that's a sticker i'll maybe get my wee notepad and write down the odd wee thing you know but being there because it's easy to forget stuff like that right so mm. So that I love it because you, you're making a ritual out of it. You know, you've got your candle, you've got the moments you're, you're, you're using. Um, sometimes I, I get a bit lost in trying to just make the moment out of what's there, but you're creating a moment by going, oh, I'm going to have a candle going. I'm going to have this. I'm going to make this whole thing a really pleasurable activity. I love it. It's, it's, it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> I'm going with all the things to help me be mindful. So I guess as well, again, it's like tapping into the senses, right? The smell, mm. what you can see, the lighting, um, you know, putting on like a soft, something that's really cozy or, you know, especially in winter, because a lot of people mm -hmm. struggle in winter, you know, with mental health and, and you know, so using those senses, like nice soft fabrics or, you know, um, and, and that comfort and just bringing little bits of joy and then just being there because sometimes it's well knowing and i think knowing it's important as well you know it can be especially if we're feeling down we can dismiss some of these things mm -hmm. and, and that's a classic one with overwhelm is 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 dismissing things that we think are optional mm -hmm. and then we focus too much into our stress and that's that's a real hook into overwhelm then isn't it but, but making sure that we do those things, those small rituals of candles, wearing something comfortable, getting really wrapped up in our duvet, if that's our thing, whatever it is. But if you are feeling down and, it, and you don't feel motivated about it, do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, do it anyway, because it will help you be present. It will help come out of that single minded track that we can often go down 
that starts to cut away some of those enjoyable things that nourish us really because that's 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 what you're doing isn't it you're nourishing your resilience by providing these small joys to help you get into the moment nourishing the resilience love that love that and you know what you were saying earlier about the mind and 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 connecting into the body so what about for people that are, are wondering when to trust the mind you know we spoke about intuition and gut and sometimes the mind can lie and you know it's it's that balance right so it's that we need a mind to function in the body but sometimes you get these thoughts and then you're like what's anxiety or paranoia and what's the truth do you have any tips for people when they're trying to work out what's real what's from the, the sort of deeper place in connecting with the body versus the mind and thoughts that may not be serving us it is a challenge isn't it when we start to get into this stuff it's like well what do i trust mm-hmm. um i think i mean the first thing is that we have to accept and we can there are exercises in mindfulness that you probably did on your course um with this but thoughts are not facts Mm -hmm. thoughts are not facts; they're just ideas of the mind because our mind will create meaning out of things and give us ideas and the important thing is to understand is that we are not our thoughts Mm -hmm. and a student of mine she's only 19 and when i said that to her she asked me so if i'm not my thoughts who am i Mm-hmm. That was a great question, a very existential question. But who am I? Well, you're the person that witnesses your thoughts. That's who you are. That's who we're trying to cultivate in mindfulness is the self seeing the thoughts. And that's the person who you really are, that you can then know that those thoughts are thoughts. So <laughs> when it comes to actually, I'm worried and we're starting to have anxious thoughts. When we practice cultivating the self, noticing we're having thoughts of anxiety, noticing we're having thoughts of worry and concern, noticing we're having thoughts of rumination and regret, then it's important that we have developed that self to notice that they are thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then we can be best placed to do something about them. So we may genuinely be concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There may be something that's going on and it's causing us anxiety because our brains feeling under threat because that's what anxiety essentially is 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 the is the person is feeling under threat when we're anxious we feel under threat and and interestingly we will potentially depending on how anxious we are be feeling the same sort of threat as though somebody was holding a gun to our head the brain makes not much differentiation when it comes to severe anxiety whether you're being threatened with your life or you may be worried about going to see your horrible boss tomorrow Mm-hmm. It, it can feel the same which is quite a good thing because it kind of takes away some of the guilt that i think people have around feeling bad in western society when mm-hmm. there's so much going on in the middle east and you think i feel bad about feeling bad when all this is going on over there you know mm-hmm. but actually your anxiety i'm not saying it's the same as their anxiety but you can be feeling the same sort of anxiety as though you were under threat of your life your house and everything so that's important so like okay we can accept that i'm feeling under threat but then if there is something generally we're concerned about it's then about walking ourselves through it mm-hmm. is right now right now am i okay mm-hmm. yes okay right now am i under threat no right now what can i do to make myself more comfortable well i could do this so it's kind of coming back to right now 
that's tomorrow. It's there. It's that ogre. But really coming back to right now. Have I done what I can for tomorrow? Is there something I could do to make myself less worried about tomorrow? Done all the revision, done all the slides. If it's a presentation, everything's fine for tomorrow. Okay, let's try and let it go then. Mm-hmm. Let's be here right now. Let's do that walk, that mindful walk, and try and just be aware that it's there. We're not going to necessarily get rid of it. We, we may not even be able to let it go. We may just need to let it be. John Cabot Zinn, who's the kind of grandfather of Godfather, so it's called of mindfulness, would say, Letting go is one of the hardest attitudes of mindfulness to achieve. So sometimes we may need to say, let it be. Just let it be there. And by letting the anxiety be there and facing it, which is really important that we do, not Mm -hmm. turn away, but face it, we could then soften some of the other mental processes that are going around that. Mm-hmm. so if we feel we're concerned about something going on tomorrow or we feel we're just anxious and we just feel this i don't this this foreboding sense but i don't know why is to go okay here it is i'm anxious let's come into my breath let's use the breath as my anchor to come into now because the breath is now so we use that and face it and mm-hmm. talk to it and even even call it oh here it is make it light if you can oh here it is the anxiety feeling here you are again okay, I'm going to come into my breath. You're going to linger here probably and I'm going to come into my breath and hopefully you'll dissolve a bit. And by making it slightly lighter, we take away the concern that we've built up around it because we get anxious and then we get anxious about being anxious, don't we? We go, oh, no, I'm feeling anxious again. No, it's going to be like this. And we start to manifest into this monster. But if we could just treat it a bit like a small child and go, oh, here you are, here you are. And we make it light and then we tend to reduce the anxiety around that anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very long answer, sorry. I can't give these long answers to your questions, but hopefully it's relevant. Oh, I think it's so good and it's just reminding people. And, and again, it's back to if you're not taking that time to get still and then you feel something coming on, you know, and it can spiral and it's just saying, right, okay, breathe. And, and what can I do to... To kind of, and, and accept it as you say and then what can I do I, I know when I was in recovery and I was on quite strong medication from the overstimulated mind when it was going really quickly and all over the place and sped up too much and I was just trying to get grounded and get back to me there was some waves of anxiety that would really creep in in that recovery process and just kind of sitting with it and then perhaps getting out in nature or going into the cold water for me I'd be like mm. oh, it's totally changed my energy I've just it's just gone it's sort of washed away in the water or you know the power of nature as well and and the breathing and stuff was just amazing for me to practice being present because as you say mm. you you have to be there and certain movements and when it's cold water you know I was getting into the plunge pool in my garden this morning (laughs) and just being there under the blue sky just breathing and feel great you know it's these little daily practices that can help us because the anxiety as you say never goes away because we have a mind but you can really learn to work with it and to to have that self-awareness around it you know and 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 you know I was such an anxious little kid and 
just thinking about where I picked that up. Is it learned behavior? Is it genetic? Um, you know, it's such an interesting subject, right? Because we, we all do have a bit of it, but it's interesting mm. to think why some people perhaps struggle a bit more with it. There's a, there's a, a lady called Sarah Wilson, who's an Australian. She, she suffers massively with um, anxiety and she has Hashimoto's disease as well, big inflammatory disease. Um, and she, I think she used to be editor of Cosmopolitan Australia. Um, she, and she used to do some TV programs and stuff. And she wrote a book called The Beast is Beautiful. Make, uh, first make the beast beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's all about her journey with anxiety um, and how you know, it was crippling for her at times. Um, and she talks about meditation saying, it's a non-negotiable. We've got to do it. Anxiety types, you've got to do the meditation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's I, I think, I've forgotten the point I was going to make about it, but it's well worth having a look at what she writes about because um, she really is, you know, she writes fabulously about it. Um, we were talking about the plunge pool, weren't you? No, it's gone. Anyway, it'll pop back in my head <laughs> in a moment. It's about that kind of, you know for people that are struggling and you start to think oh is it genetic where does it come from is it learned behavior you know i don't know if you that was it yeah tribes she was saying that that there's some research that shows that anxious types 150 100,000 years ago early humans were really important to protect the tribe because we were suspicious Mm -hmm. we were always like who are you what are you about you know, really tuned in to the potential threats that were that were around. You see, and I've I've worked in hospitality for many years, and when I was working in pubs before I was working in restaurants, it was really useful when it was when it wasn't overwhelming, when it was just a really intuitive sense of there's something wrong with that person, I need to go and check them out. And often nine times out of ten, I'd be right if there was if there was I could tell a problematic person very quickly. So there is a there is a part of it that's really useful, but there's there's also the tendency that it becomes too much, and we 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 over catastrophize situations, and we are oh, what if this happens and this happens and this happens, and run through the worst case scenario all the time, and it gets draining, doesn't it? It just goes oh tiring just to do it. Um, but you're right. I, I think in the end, it, what I found with meditation is that often people when they're becoming very anxious don't meditate because they feel that it feels so strong that that the anxiety that it's in need of much much more than meditation could possibly do for it Mm -hmm. meditation doesn't seem enough for people that suffer with anxiety because it's just a too overwhelming sensation that's to just sit there and do nothing essentially Mm -hmm. couldn't possibly be enough because anxiety is that thing where I'm aroused and I need to act, but I don't know what to act on because I'm anxious about something. I don't even know what I'm anxious about. So there's nothing to act upon, you know, but this is where I know from experience and I can, I can speak from my personal journey is that although it's an overwhelming sensation that feels that, that meditating would not be enough, it does work. So meditate, it will help you, even if it feels horrible at the beginning and it probably will, just keep going and you'll find that you'll soften around the anxiety and it will get better. So it's like a, a lifeline for you then. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I, if, if it wasn't for Aikido, I probably wouldn't be here. I probably wouldn't be here. I, I was I was very suicidal when I came out of university, and f- oddly, the only thing that kept me going at the time was uh, the fact I had debt. I had student loan debt, and I didn't want my parents to pay for them um, and have some of this debt. So it was, it was a really it, normally it's the other way around, isn't it? I have debt, so I'm gonna. That's another reason to to to, to nip off. Um, but I um, and then I got in, back into Aikido again, and then slowly I started to recover and, and start to see occasional glimpses of light um but for probably for a couple of years it was just and that's you know for some people it's it, it's it's decades isn't it but for me everything was flat you know uh, an ex-boss once asked me because i was having a period of depression at work and she said i'm really sorry but i i, I don't understand what depression is and she wasn't being flippant she kind of generally was asking i said okay that's all right um i said do you like football she goes, no, no, it leaves me flat. I hate football. Okay. So take that sensation that it leaves you flat and apply it to your kids, your husband, music, your job, your friends, everything. Mm-hmm. And that will give you some idea about what being depressed is like because there's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. And then you get to a point and then she's like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not mm-hmm. nice. It's, and it's, it's, it, kind of, it kind of works for me, that, that, that explanation. I don't know about you. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's so powerful because when, when I went through it personally with Dad, and I speak about this in the first chapter of Time for Improvement Injection, it's like, how can you, that passion and that fire within him, it's gone. And at first I really took it personally because I was like, he loves me more than anything, but he's not interested. You know, I, I'd go and visit him in hospital and it was like, he just, there was nothing. And it was so horrible to see the mind do that. For mm. you, can you think about what triggered that period of depression? Um, I think it was a cocktail of things. Um, I, I come from being in a very mentally fit place after, uh, after my A-levels. I, I, was in a, I was in a bad place in my A-levels and then kind of hit what I thought was rock bottom. But rock bottom was kind of a, a comfortable place to be. It was like a, okay, I know where I am. It was kind of grounding, even though it was not nice. And then there was a way up. And I started working a pub with a boss that really helped me, really kind of encouraged me. And I, and I really got good at being in that pub, at being a bartender, an assistant manager. Um, and really enjoyed it. I was very good with people and, and very good with dealing with confrontation and, and dealing with, with customers in general. So I had a really good confidence when I went to uni and I had a very kind of clear mind, a very disciplined mind at that point, because I was doing, I was working and I was doing Aikido for two years. Just that's all I was doing pretty much. And then I think uni, because I wasn't practicing Aikido, that was the one part of me that, I was I was in my I was no longer in my body enough, mm-hmm. and I was doing music. I was, I was practicing to be a, a session drummer up in Salford Uni, and my drum teacher was um, was a bully, was a classic conservatoire type mm-hmm. drum teacher. So this is this started triggering things inside me of of being you know of previous times I've been bullied. So there was kind of triggers here, not doing Aikido, being a student 
not eating well, perhaps too much alcohol, other things, other vices and things that students get into. Um, my company wasn't great. I was with a very dark person who was another musician who was quite soul destroying, as my brother described him once as when he met him, it's like very soul destroying. Um, and I think this whole cocktail of not being around the right people, not eating properly, not moving, having a stressful teacher um, just compounded. And then instead of talking about it, instead of being able to do anything about it, it just built up. And I remember being in a pub once, gritting my teeth, not, not consciously, but they would just grit. I was so tense, just so tense. Um, and eventually I cracked. And, and I and I truly know what it means to crack. You, I felt it in my gut just go, bah. and I was like, I cracked. And there was a calm with that, but I realised I was I was now in a bad place because I wasn't trying to hold on anymore. I just I kind of succumbed, not let go. I'd succumbed to this pressure and gone under. It felt, and I felt I was I was walking into lampposts. I was drunk when I hadn't even had alcohol. That's how completely disassociated I was. Um, so I was a mess, to be honest. I was quite a mess. Mm. Um, what advice would you give now to that person back then? Talk about it. Um, I'm going back kind of nearly 30 years ago, so that, that there wasn't an awful lot of people listening. You know. But talk about it go home, get some rest, um, do Aikido, do those things that nourished me and helped me in the first place, which was the key part, I think. Um, yeah, you know, I think that they're the key parts really, to, to, to manage my environment better, to, know, to notice that there's a problem and do something about it, not think that I have to put up with this. There's no, we can't, we all have a breaking point. So we can't all put up with everyone it's as much as we think we can. Sometimes we need to distance ourselves from certain people. They can be, you know, draining. That might be just for one day, or it might be for your entire life, depending on what the person's like and your ability to um, manage your emotional landscape with that person. Um, so yeah, I think I think if I could speak to that person again, it would be yeah, definitely needed to speak to, to the university and ask for help. Um, do Aikido and perhaps manage my personal or social environment better really. Mm, amazing. Oh, powerful stuff. And hopefully someone's listening. I mean, I never know who's listening. Um, get a real mix and I get feedback sometimes and it's like, oh, so I really hope someone that's listening who, who may know someone or who may be going through a tough time that this is of comfort to them because you've given so much amazing advice. It's been been really interesting i've been leaning in on my stool <laughs> so great well i hope it's enjoyable i hope it's i hope somebody gets something from it and, and uh because yeah it's, it's as you said at the beginning i think everybody's had a journey that's involved in well-being you've had your journey um gosha my partner's had her journey i've got my journey everyone i speak to in the team that that's for well-being in your office has a journey and i always ask them you know when we speak, what's your story Oh, and it's always a wonderful story of something whether it's a close relation or it's their own personal journey um, amazing right and the tough times definitely do make us stronger 
So uh, I'm really, really thankful to you being so open. And um, I always ask people uh, if you, if there's a you know a song that you that wakes up your mojo that you would recommend for people's playlist. Oh right, okay. Um... See, I listen to very downbeat music most of the time. Um, I tell you what, it's Back in Black, ACDC. Wow. Do you know, yeah, back in black. we do say, though, that sad music makes us happy. Have you heard that? There was a study. Um, and I remember being in hospital listening to really quite, this uh, track came on by a band called, um, uh, it's Neon Moon, is it Cigarettes After Sex is the band's name? And it was such a like, like melancholic kind of song, but I just uh, was found it really comforting. So sometimes it's mm. sad stuff. Um, I, do, I, mean, I, I, I love to use music to cry, you know, to have a good blab to, something, something really evocative that can just make you just go, oh. And then there's a lovely release that comes with that, isn't there? Um, I think some, some people are still afraid about crying and i always say to people well the, the, why would you cry if you weren't meant to why would you have the ability as a human being to cry under emotional uh, stress if it wasn't if if it wasn't there for that so if the fact that you've we've all evolved to cry under emotional duress well we should because that's what it's there for you know it's there to kind of release that physiological release of emotion so um but yeah Going back to your thing, ACDC back in black, and then my melancholic tune is is often some blues, some Freddie King uh, blues music, or uh, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd is always a good one as well. Is there a song that helps you to cry? Um, generally, uh, Wearing the Inside Out mm-hmm. uh, is a song on the division bell, which is very much about an emotional turmoil, you know, where you, and I can really relate to that because that's exactly how I felt when I had my breakdown, which is though I was wearing the inside out emotionally. Um, and I think, I'm trying to think of a, of a good, generally uh, a female vocalist will, like Adele, um, a good slow song by Adele would be able to evoke that. B.B. Um, King, The Thriller's Gone. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to get to get the old uh, the, uh, the, the the tears going. Um, but yeah, I, t- I tend to find some um, folk singers, female folk singers, female voices. Amazing. We'll, 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 t- we'll turn on the waterworks a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Thank you so so much. Honestly, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast, and I'll put all your details in the show notes if anyone wants to. Reach oh, you. thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely speaking with you and uh, really appreciate it. Oh, it's been amazing. Thank you for bringing the mojo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've had ACDC twice. Yes, twice this month. Different song, though. Um... So get that on your playlist, guys. ACDC, Back in Black. Totally funky beat. It's hard to not twerk and shake to this one, actually. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, And then some lovely suggestions there as well from Zach. If you want a good cry. As he says, why would we have the ability to cry if we weren't meant to? So just cry it out, guys, all right? 
if you need to. And um, yeah, all the love to you. Keep singing, keep swimming, be kind to yourself and wake that mojo up. It's always in there. Mm.